the show begin. Damn, y'all feel it? Oh. This is the Finesse Media Podcast, Season 3. Check it out. The number one show focusing on HBCU news. Hey. With guests, entertainment, Ladies and, and surprise co-hosts. Put them in an awkward situation. Now, here is your host, Ken Finesse Media. Welcome to another episode of Finesse Media Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Finesse Media, and you're tuned in to another episode, episode four. Goddamn, episode four. We're already in episode four. Can you believe it? Uh, again, season th- three, Finesse Media Podcast, y'all, uh, where we talk to people that's finessing the game. So if you haven't checked out episode one, two, and three, and you just joined the party for episode four, you got work to do. So check us out, finessemediagroup.com, to get caught up on all of the previous episodes, and you can check us out on YouTube. That's The Finesse Media Podcast, The Finesse Media Podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and that bell so you'll be notified when new interviews and episodes are released. So you can check us out, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Listen to us anywhere uh, you can stream music. And so that's what we're doing, and that's what we bring to you each and every week on the Finesse Media Podcast, Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. So we can't wait to talk to our Finesse this week. We got three-time Emmy-nominated hairstylist Derek Moreau joining uh, us for a great conversation, I hope. This guy has been doing his thing. Uh, Let me just bring it down a little bit, DJ. The guy Derek Moreau, who we'll have on later in this episode, is really a guy who is finessing the game. Three-time Emmy-nominated hairstylist, stylist, makeup guy. The guy does it all at The View. Everybody knows The View. If you don't know uh, the show, The View, daytime talk show, The View, uh, you must have been under a rock. So Derek Moreau is joining us later in this episode to talk about what he does at The View, Uh, again, being a three-time Emmy uh, nominated uh, hairstylist. So want to get into that. He's from a small town. Um, so we want to get into all those different things with Derek later in this episode. And each and every week on Finesse Media, we talk about HBCUs and spotlight HBCUs. So I'm excited because this episode, I'm actually talking to someone that's from an HBCU. So this week, our HBCU, I'll leave it for a surprise and also leave the guest for a surprise. So later in this episode, we're talking about HBCUs like we do each and every week. If you want your HBCU to be spotlighted on the Finesse Media Podcast, you can email me, finessemediapodcast at gmail.com. Just say, hey, Ken, bring me on the show. I went to an HBCU. I got it in. I pledged. I didn't pledge. Hell, if you went for two years and you went home, that's cool, too. You don't even have to have been a, a, you know, a graduate. So if you went to the school, for a semester, uh, tell me about that experience. We want to know about your experience at your HBCU. So I cannot wait uh, to get back into that part of the episode where we're talking to somebody from the HBCU. So we're going to do that each and every episode, y'all. So what's been going on with you? It's Wednesday, November, October the 21st, almost November. Just been crazy, man. I've actually been chilling, not doing a whole lot, um, taking the coronas. 
by chance. I was in Houston this past weekend. Shout out to Houston, Texas. Uh, it was decent down there. Houston is a cool place uh, to visit. If you've been to uh, Houston, you know how Houston can get it in. Uh, they have a good time down there in Houston. So, H-Town, thank you for your hospitality. I got one of those turkey legs. Oh, man. So, if you've been to Houston, you know the turkey leg hut is a must. And uh, I was able to get one for the first time. I had the shrimp Alfredo joint. Oh, man, it was crazy. Uh, the line was crazy. Er, I guess. <laughs> but you do what you got to do when you're in Houston. Houston feels like the southern part of Vegas, if you will. Like, you go to Houston and you don't even tell folks uh, what you did when you was in Houston. You just get it cracking in Houston. So we're going to keep this thing cracking and we're going to keep this thing moving uh, because this next um, segment is uh, HBCU. So, again, each and every week we talk to people uh, that's finessing the game, but we also highlight HBCU. So let's get into it. It's time for the HBCU of the week. Here we go. Historically black colleges and universities commonly called HBCUs are defined by the Higher Education Act of 1965 as any historically black college or university that was established prior to 1964 whose principal was and is the education of black Americans and that is accredited by a nationally recognized accrediting agency or association determined by the Secretary of Education. It's now time for the Finesse Media Podcast, HBCU of the Week. Hey, hey, hey. My favorite part of the show, before we talk to the guests, of course, HBCU of the Week. And this HBCU of the week is Paul Quinn College, straight out of dirty, dirty Dallas, Texas. Uh, so Paul Quinn College is a private, historically black Methodist college in Dallas, Texas. The college is affiliated with the African Methodist Episcopal Church. It is the oldest historically black college west of the Mississippi River. For those that know um, Paul Quinn, you know that Paul Quinn has a rich history, and uh, I wanted to talk so much about Paul Quinn and give you more information about it, talk about it in 1924 when the Paul Quinn Tigers football team was coached by Harry Long. Uh, I wanted to talk about that because they were the national champion, but really, this episode is going to be a little bit different. I wanted to bring somebody on who actually attended uh, the college, someone who can tell you more about their experience at Paul Quinn uh, college. So without further ado, and welcome to the Finesse Media Podcast, my frat brother, let me say Dr. Zachariah uh, Shirley. What's going on, bro? What's up, brother? What's up, bro? What's going on, Doc? You... What's going on? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, brother. Thank you. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. Welcome to the podcast, bro. All right, all right. Yeah, so Paul Quinn College, man, where can I yeah, start? Yeah, tell me about that, man. Uh, yeah, tell us, tell so, our listeners, tell our listeners about your experience at that school. So uh, for those who do not know, Paul Quinn College is the only historically black college in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Um, we are one of the few HBCUs in the state of Texas. And we have a long history of producing positive individuals that come out of that institution. Um, we are an institution that is focused on faith and family and community service. And so the wonderful thing about Paul Quinn College is that individuals who come to Paul Quinn, 
They come in and they don't know what experience they're going to get, but they come out as transformed individuals, whether it's from student organizations and activism or academics or, or the opportunity for the work program. Um, Paul Quinn has just had a history of producing positive individuals. Yeah, I'm happy that Paul Quinn has uh, such a rich history, uh, brother, and being, uh, you know, now a, a resident of Dallas. Uh, so to actually be on Paul Quinn's campus, I was there about two years ago doing some work uh, with my company, and we did some volunteer work. It's a, it's a beautiful campus. I, I was jealous by the plots because y'all got the plots, and, <laughs> I, you know, my students, we don't have the plots. We were working to get that back at UAPB, but Paul Quinn had the plots, man, and uh, it's also a growing school, financially speaking. I understood that Paul Quinn was set to receive uh, some funds to do a lot of renovation. So that was happening while I was there. I, I was doing work at the library, and that was uh, a place that they were going to be doing some work uh, at. So let's talk about the boy to the experience again, brother. Uh, thanks again for joining the podcast. I know you're a busy guy. You actually work uh, – at a college still. Are you still, in, you know, doing the Greek affiliation, uh, holding it down uh, at the colleges now still? Yes, sir, brother. Yes, sir. So I am currently give you a little bit of background about me. I'm the director for Fraternity and Sorority Life at the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas. And I've worked for almost, well, upwards of 15 years in higher education, primarily with fraternity and sorority life. So I oversee all the organizations, the MPHC, the IFC, the Panhellenic, the Multicultural Greek Council. I oversee them all. But um, yeah, Paul Quinn, bro, it's, it's, we, we like to call it the Quinnite Nation. Like there's a, <laughs> a, a relationship that is built, whether you are an alumni or incoming yeah. freshman, yeah. you are a part of the nation and our but hashtag is nation but, building. All right, all right, nation building. But before we build on your story and how that happened or all that you did at Paul Quinn and the history of Paul Quinn, let our listeners know, let me know, what made you choose Paul Quinn? So what made me choose Paul Quinn was the fact that I went to a predominantly white high school. Um, and my twin brother went to – started off going to Jarvis Christian College, which is another HBCU in Hawkins, Texas. Shout out to Jarvis. So shout out to Jarvis, the blue and gold, the bulldog. And so I would go visit him because uh, when we graduated high school, I didn't want to go to college initially. I College was not in my trajectory. Um, and those people who know me now, I have a terminal degree. I have a doctorate. <laughs> Um, so I've been in college my entire life. I work in colleges and universities, but at that time <laughs> right. in 1999, brother, I did not want to go to college. And so I would visit my brother, though, every other weekend and just see the rich, beautiful black history at Jarvis. Um, I didn't want to go that far because Jarvis was about two and a half hours away. And so uh, my mom actually put it in my head forced me, I, I would say, to enroll in college because I was just working at the time. I was working at Bank of America, you know, okay. thinking that getting paid every other week was, was the thing at 19 years old. And she came in my room one day, frat, and she said, you're going to get up and you're going to go to school. And she told my dad, and she said, take him down to the park. 
<laughs> and I had not known about Paul Quinn. Like, it literally was the best-kept secret of Dallas, Texas. And we say that often about Paul Quinn. A lot of people back then in 2000, I started college in 2002. I graduated high school in 1999. Yeah. A lot of people didn't okay. know about Paul Quinn. Like, we were literally a second-chance school. If If you didn't know where you mm-hmm. wanted to go or you couldn't go into anywhere, you went to Paul Quinn. That was the yeah. outside perception. So, mm, so being that Paul Quinn, they force you out the house, it sounds like, based off what you said. They mm-hmm. get the hell out. You got to get up the street and go to Paul Quinn. Being that Paul Quinn, Fred, uh, what did you do? I guess the obvious is, is in the question as well. But while attending Paul Quinn, uh, what are some things that you did uh, or, or do uh, while attending uh, the, the college? So let me tell you, you Paul you Quinn – allowed me to discover who I was as a person and as a man. Um, I joined student government. I became an orientation leader. I pledged Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, Blue Phi. Blue, 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 blue. (laughs) But I I, I had the opportunity my senior year to become homecoming king. Um, I was student body vice president my senior year. Like, there are so many positive experiences that Paul Quinn created for me that I didn't know that I needed. Mm. Paul Quinn. Paul Quinn. Paul Quinn. Uh, mm-hmm. so, oh, Paul Quinn, listen, dude, it, like you said before, it's the hidden gem. I actually remember being in college in Pine Bluff and um, playing in the band. And they were like, we playing Paul Quinn. I'm like, okay, never heard of the school. But what I did not expect was them to bring a whole band. I mean, Paul Quinn has <laughs> so much goddamn pride and, and, and stamina really uh, on the field, dude. As, you know, so I'm, I'm really amazed that, uh, that they have brought the band along with the football team. So I, that's my first introductory uh, of Paul Quinn. But then not even knowing that they were located in Dallas because I wasn't sure who they were, where they were from. Uh, but they came with a lot of pride. The school had, you know, definitely uh, s- certainly a lot of charisma uh, and passion, the band did. And being again at the school, I, I got that from the staff and administrators. The lady who I was working with uh, at the uh, university or the college had said she was an alumni from Paul Quinn and talked about many different mm-hmm. uh, things that she had experienced while she, she, you know, was on campus. So one last thing before you get up out of here again, thank you for coming on, bro, and giving your experience uh, during our HBCU segment for this episode and being really the first person to come on for this uh, season. So you definitely set the bar. We set the bar together with Paul Quinn and Dallas, Texas, and Phi Beta Sigma. So next week, uh, <laughs> the HBCU person coming on definitely got to hold it down. So thank you, Dr. Shirley, for you know setting the bar. Uh, you know, for this season and for the HBCU segment. But before you get up out of here, let people know the importance, and you being in education, as you mentioned, so I know it's something dear to your heart more than just Paul Quinn, but education in itself. Let people know, uh, and our listeners know, I guess, why choose an HBCU? What's your kind of 60-second elevator pitch if someone asks you, why should I attend an HBCU? Let's go. Cut the music, DJ. Oh. We got to hear Bet we have the rest of our lives as black people to be the minority. Go to a place where you are celebrated as the majority. Go to a place where you can find rich culture, rich history, rich development, rich mentorship. And that is at an HBCU. 
we go out into this world, and it's a predominantly white world. But for the four years you spent at an HBCU, you are the focus. You are the queens and the kings of the campus, and everything is catered to you. That's my spiel. Dr. Zachariah Shirley, man, welcome again, and thank you again for coming on to the podcast. You heard it. Those are true words, man. And go mob, my brother. Keep finessing the game. Go mob. And uh, if you want to stick around for the rest of the episode, we got uh, Emmy-nominated hairstylist Derek Moreau joining us later in this episode to talk about the things he's been doing behind the scenes at The View. Uh, shout out to Sunny Halston. Her birthday was yesterday. Uh, but again, brother, thank you for coming on. Continue to listen and support the podcast. And I'll see you uh, at the next chapter meeting. <laughs> at the next chapter meeting, brother. Blue Five. <laughs> Blue Five. Go, my bro. Zachariah, uh, I'll see you in a minute, man. Here we go. Finesse Media Podcast. Right. Damn. Y'all feel that? Online on demand. coming on the podcast talking about your experience at Paul Quinn College in Dallas, Texas, where we are recording live, giving it to you each and every week, something brand new. And this episode, again, we're bringing something brand new, another finesse to this episode, somebody, again, who is finessing the game, and that has been finessing the game. Uh, But without further ado, I do want to bring to the Finesse Media Podcast Derek Monroe. If you're not familiar with Derek Moreau, Derek Moreau is a New York-based stylist that is in, in the hair industry for 24 professionally years, or for 24 years professionally. He has been a salon owner, worked in the fashion industry and television on shows like Project Runway, talk shows like The View. He has worked with countless celebrities such as Whoopi Goldberg, Kenya Moore, Angela Rye, Sanan Lathan, Gail King, Samar Wiley, Aman, and Tyra Banks. He has a long-standing working relationship with Dark and Lovely, where he started out with the Style Squad in 2012. He is now a professional spokesman for the brand. He has led New York fashion shows for the brand, as well as television appearances on Steve Harvey's show, giving deserving mothers fantastic makeovers. He is now and also the creator, producer, and host of his new web series on YouTube called Behind the Scenes Beauty, where he sits down and talks to beauty professionals professionals and celebrities on their career and beauty. Welcome to the podcast and episode four, a good brother, 
three-time Emmy-nominated hairstylist, Derek LaRoe. What's up, my brother? Welcome to the podcast. Can't wait to talk to you, and you've been doing your thing for so long, and you're one of the people that's been finessing the game. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, my God, I'm glad. That's right. That's right. We're back. That's right. We're back. Another episode of Finesse Media Podcast Season 2. We're talking to another finesse, somebody that's been finessing the game for so long. And uh, again, on this podcast, I cannot wait. For those that can see, you already see who we have in the building uh, with me tonight. So join the Finesse Media Podcast Season 3 for the first time. The extraordinary, the three-time Emmy-nominated uh, hairstylist, Derek Moreau. What's up, man? What's up? How are you? Listen, listen, listen. So real quick, I chatted with you real quick offline just saying I had Karen DePiche on, I had Morell on, some of your peers, man, that's been finessing the game. So you two is definitely, um, you know, somebody that's finessing the game. And I had you on my radar last season, but my co-host said, listen, I can't take no more. I'm like, we got to get Derek on. Derek <laughs> Moreau, make a oh. hairstyle is extraordinary, man. Welcome to the Finesse Me, the podcast. How you doing, brother? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for having me. I always count it a privilege when someone ever wants to talk to you. I mean, that's a huge honor, so I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, man, you're welcome, man. So, like I said, when when Karen was on, um, again, someone that you work with and been working with at the, at the View for many years, I said, we got to get Derek on. This guy's finessing the game because you're, too, also a host. So, Check me out, Derek. Make sure I'm, you know, doing what I need to do because you're a host of Behind the Scenes Beauty, which we'll talk about in a second. So I want to jump right into it, let our listeners know who's listening, watching. Who is Derek Monroe? Rem- Rem- uh, sorry. Where is he from uh, and how did he get his start in doing hair? Oh, Derek Monroe is a small town local boy from uh, Virginia, uh, a small town called Hurt, Virginia. No one's probably ever heard of it one of those one-stop-light towns. Um, I got into doing hair. I just always had a love for hair. Even as a child, I played with dolls. I had one doll. My mom would not let me have uh, any more than that. But that one <laughs> doll I played with, till all her hair, her hair was bald. And one day she disappeared. I think my mama burned up and, and, and threw away. <laughs> but, um, but later on in life, my mom later passed. And I still had that interest. So I used to like, like get manic. Uh huh. We're a little bit choppy, Derek. It's okay. Technology is crazy. So when you come in, I'll let you know that you were choppy. Can you still hear me, Derek? Um, what an incredible story he started to tell us about his mom. So, uh, Derek, I need you to come back. I need you to tell me what's going on. Are you back, Derek? Can I hear you? I can hear you. Okay, good. You cut out for a second, and I had to feel the the dead air. So, you oh, asked no, no, her, no, your mom. Good. Yeah, you were frozen a little bit on my end. Oh man. Okay. 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 So let's so, jump yeah, back yeah. into it. You said your mom <laughs> probably threw one of the dolls away, huh? Uh, yeah, she threw one of the dolls away. Um, but I still always had a love for it, and I used to go to Sally's Beauty Supply, and Sally's Beauty Supply used to be like Toys R Us to me. I enjoyed just seeing all the different things you could get with hair. So I would buy mannequins and practice. And so some of my friends would see what I was doing on the mannequins and they worked up enough courage to then let me attempt some of those things on them. Um, My mom had passed away. I was living off social security and I realized that I was not college material. So in the 10th grade, I decided I had to come up with a plan because social security cuts you off at age 18 or your last high school year. After that, if you don't 
you're not living in the house with another parent or if you're living with someone that will say, I will take up the slack after that end, you have nothing to do. So I had to really think ahead. And so I made the decision to take cosmetology in high school so that that way I would graduate with my license. And that's basically what I did. I graduated. I got my diploma and my license. I went, I went on a graduation trip. When I came back, my license was in the mail and I started in a salon the next week. Wow. Wow. And so when starting out of college with a cosmetology degree, you said that you, you did that fresh out of, not college, high school. You yeah. came out of high school with a cosmetology degree. And so when did you get your first kind of start? You worked in some salons there in Virginia. Uh, when did you kind of get your first start to kind of do things in entertainment? Well, in 2004, I moved to Los In Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Um, that was my first. Mm-hmm. Not sure if we're cutting out. And uh, y'all know we're doing this thing virtual, so bear with us. Uh, Derek Moreau is frozen on my screen. He's probably going to say I'm frozen on his screen, too. So uh, we certainly want to keep this thing rolling. Do you hear me? Yeah, you're thinking? back now. All right, we're back now. <laughs> this virtual space, everybody and their mom on Zoom right now in this COVID, right? Exactly. <laughs> I believe me, I've done my share as well. Um, yeah. So where where do you want me to begin? Okay, so no, you, you were saying that in 2004. You said in no, 2004. Okay, you said in 2004. You're for a second. Okay. Okay, so you said in 2004. I moved to L.A. Um, I had a friend that just graduated law school. She was determined to go there and start a writing career. Um, she said that I should go with her. At that particular time, I felt like I needed more out of life. So I did go with her to LA and I shopped around to some of the salons that had the celebrity hairstylists in them. I went through all the hype hair books and found, you know, I would go to see who did Vivica Fox hair and who did, and then I would look them up to see what salon they worked in. And so I sort of shopped around to sort of see what were the hottest Salon LA, and I ended up working at the salon called Salon 50 North. The lady that owned it was a black woman named Sherlina Allen, and she used to do Brandy's hair. She was the first person that took Brandy from the braids to regular weaves and straight hair. Um, so I became her assistant, and so that's when I met Brandy and Elise Neal came to the salon. Um, an actress by the name of Chandrella Avery that used to work on this show called Cut. Uh, Eve, uh, all of those different celebrities used to come to that salon. So that was my first introduction into the celebrity hair world. But, you know, it wasn't until later I moved back to Virginia. But because of the connections that I had made in L.A., it had me connections so that I also had in New York. So I had a friend that I had met in L.A. during that time, and she lived here in New York. And she would invite me to come up, and she invited me to come to the Wendy Show. And so I came to the Wendy Show, and that's where I met Morel Hollis, which is Wendy's makeup artist. Yeah, that's and it just so happened, uh, one of the young ladies that I also had met in L.A. was a producer there. And um, she knew I did hair, and that particular day, she was in charge of this fashion show. And they were behind, and they needed someone to help with the hair and makeup, and so the guy, they had a person, but he did both of them. He did the hair and he did the makeup. So they needed some help. So she asked, would I jump in and help? And his name was D'Angelo. And so I jumped in and uh, basically helped with 
you know, doing the hair and the makeup for the show. And then after that, D'Angelo just kept calling me back. And that's pretty much how I started. Wow. What an amazing journey. And so now here we are, 2020, three-time Emmy Award winning or nominated. Uh, still, it's a big, it's a big thing. I mean, uh, three-time Emmy, Emmy nod, a hairstylist do at The View. How does it feel? So you've been with The View now, what, six, seven years? No, not even that long. Actually, what's funny is I've only been there, it'll be five years in, okay. five years in, in March, but my time there has felt like forever. Mm-hmm. Every one of those people feel like family from, from the sound people to the producers, everyone, we are all a big happy family there. So um, it's, it's, it's crazy. So to be Emmy nominated is also crazy as well because yeah, how's that feel? Uh, well, when you when it first happened, it's crazy because <laughs> especially when you because that was you don't conceive a, a lot of stuff in my life was stuff that I never planned. Because Derek, I'm at home right here watching uh, every night the view and replay on YouTube, dude. And I'm I'm promising you, dude. Listen, I'm throwing the phone at the screen. At the wall, like, dude, kill Sonny. Oh, well, thank Sonny you. Austin. Listen, dude, you have a, you push it out there, man. And she, she's always a natural beauty. Sonny's a natural beauty. Shout out to the women of Alpha Kappa Alpha. I'm a member okay. of Alpha Sigma, a Soror Vice President, as we'll call her now. Kamala Harris is running. But Sonny's a true gem, man. But you push her out there, Derek. And each and every time I see her, I'm like, God damn, you killing the game, dude. I mean, you do more than Sonny. Let's give you credit. Yeah. But, I know that Sonny is one of your, your muse for real. And when I see you do, when I say I see Sonny, I see you do. And uh, she's beautiful. So well, how is it working with Sonny, working with the team at the view? You were starting to say it, but I wanted to give you that kudos because I see it. Uh, and that's a huge, that's a huge thing. It's great, I, especially in working with them and the makeup artists. We really are a team. There is no hateration on anybody's part we all celebrate one another we all encourage one another we all i mean it's the but you know what i've never had too many bad spaces where there was friction i've heard people have friction in workspaces but i never had that and working with sunny sunny's an amazing person she's very sweet um she's very she's one of those people she hadn't hasn't forgotten the road she traveled so she doesn't come with a diva attitude. She doesn't come with a, you know, she's, she's, she's that person. She wants to make the situation smooth as possible. And she looks out for others as well. Um, so she, she's, she's amazing. So she's great. Whoopi as well. Whoopi, I love. Um, I, I, I don't have enough words to say about Whoopi. She's one of those people that I, I didn't really even expect that we would connect. I connect with older older women just because of my upbringing, but Whoopi was a different kind of older woman that I was like, ah, I don't know if like <laughs> we would bond. How would they connect? Do. Yeah, we do. We, I mean, we truly like family. And I, um, as a as a hairstylist that works with celebrities, one of the things we are always taught is to really not try to get too close to your clients because mm-hmm. you also have to remember they are your clients. And I do treat her with that same respect as well to um, never feel like, oh, I'm just, I can do what I want to because we've reached a certain level in our relationship. 
So I'm never that. I take my job seriously and I respect her and her time and her money and everything else. And so, um, but Derek, everybody's not luxuriating on the boat in some middle ocean somewhere with Whoopi Goldberg either, okay? Right. <laughs> that, but see, then that's where I say it's God because those are the aspects of my life that I did never expect. And and but I really enjoy her. Like she's the type of person we do. We we hang out. Like for my birthday, I think last year we I had a small dinner. It was just like her and five other my other friends. Like it was. It wasn't nothing huge and elaborate, but she's someone that I see every day. We we have a lot of things in common, ironically in a way. So we connect, and um, yeah. So I, I love her to death. So yeah. yeah. No, no, I, I appreciate what you do for these women. Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, listen. I, I told Karen, man, listen. Uh, I just want to wh- meet Whoopi one day. Just say hello uh, on my behalf uh, one day. Oh, but sure. Man, she's super sweet, and she's someone you had on your uh, web series, which we want to talk about that, man, because, again, outside of the uh, extraordinary uh, hairstylist that you are, three-time Emmy, not a hairstylist that you are, sir, but you also have a web series, so that's why I said at the top of the show for my listeners and watchers who didn't catch it, check me out, Derek, because I think what you do is a great, fantastic job, and you had people like Whoopi, uh, um, Sarah, who was on, we also, uh, I saw the interview with Morel Hollis, which was crazy. I think Morel was one of your first guests. But behind the scenes, Beauty, talk to our listeners about that web series and, and uh, you know, how that got started. Because I, I've been waiting for the last, the next episode. You took a hiatus, brother, so come on back to me. But well, me actually, I'm, actually, today, my editor just sent over, we just filmed an episode. So oh, I'm actually shit. Going. I'm just doing the last little parts of editing. We did that one with Johnny Wright. Um, uh, so that's that's a very good and interesting one. I've known Johnny for like seven years. Uh, we worked at Dark and Lovely Talk Sheen Cars and L'Oreal together. So that's where our friendship and connection comes from. But um, I, it's ironic. I wanted to do that show years ago, probably even before I moved to New York in some type of fashion. I grew up... Um, loving shows like Behind the Music and Lifetime Real Women. I was always inspired by people's stories. I mm-hmm. think a lot of times we as as fans and onlookers, we always see these people in this light and assume that this that they just got here, mm-hmm. people handed them this or whatever the situation may be. But to be able to watch Behind the Music and see Beyonce lost on Star Search and to see that, you know, she had these bumps and bruises along the way, but to see where she is now, I think that's something that helps you say, oh, there, there's some things that come with this that I just got to be prepared for, but I got to keep going. Exactly. And that's really the message for behind the scenes beauty is that behind everything that looks so beautiful, there's a story behind it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I try to tell those stories through whether it be uh, the lenses of the talent or even us as the people that make them beautiful. Like a lot of people don't really realize like what goes into our journey as hairstylists, makeup artists, stylists, um, all those things. And so I, I really wanted to tell those stories on how people got there. And hopefully it was inspiring to some people. Hopefully some people, um, it was like, sometimes it was an honor. Like I had Chuck Amos and Oscar James, which are amazing hairstylists that I have, you know, admired for years. They've been so in- inspirational, and they've Wayne, been so a dope uh, barber as well. 
Wade is Wade a killer barber. barber. How's he changed up the game of uh, the barbering and mm-hmm. made it a you know a million dollar business for himself? So it's really crazy um, to see. But um, I wanted for people to be able to see that these people didn't just land here. It mm-hmm. took some work and. Um, especially now in this culture where everybody sees stuff in Instagram and one day you're, you know, you're nothing and the next day you're something. I want people to realize that there's an in-between and so that we can have those discussions about that in-between. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of work that goes in behind it. And that's sort of similar to kind of this platform, uh, bringing people on that I say finesse in the game. And that seems cliche or, or cavalierly said, but it's people out here, Derek, that's like you, for real, for real. For people that's watching, this is the type of caliber of, of guests that you will see continuously throughout the season. People that you may not hear about, but they have a, a journey, right? So you see Derek and you see that, okay, he's with certain celebrities or, you know, he's doing, you know, what he's doing on his, on his platform. But there's a journey behind uh, it and the story. So I appreciate you for having uh you know, that platform, because watching your interviews is beyond, like what you say, their talent. It's actually kind of listening to the story and some of the messages and, and the things that they learned along the way. So uh, that's, yeah. that's, again, assembly to to really uh, this what this platform is and bringing people on as finessing the game. And so for you, sir, you mentioned uh, uh, Dark and Lovely, which is an iconic brand, dude. You started working with them back in 2012 and now became their brand ambassador. And talk about that and, and talk about how that relationship started and uh, what are some things that you're working on with, you know, Dark and Lovely now? So there was this barber, his name was TJ, and he met me, because speaking of stories and how things doesn't always look, TJ met me at a time where um, I had moved to New York and I was moved, I moved here for a job in particular with this guy named Teddy Charles which was an editorial stylist that did a lot of, we did a lot of uh, stuff for like, uh, like different brands for Versace and all those different brands. And so um, he would do like, or Banana Republic, the stuff you see in the stores. That's what we did. Um, So I moved here for him and all of a sudden he goes ghost on me. So Mm -hmm. I'm living, so I moved to New York, I get an apartment and I have nowhere to work. Um, it felt stupid for me to go to a salon because I had left a salon. I didn't want to do salon at work anymore. My, my thing is, if I leave something, I've left that, and I'm only going forward. I really don't tend to want to go back. So I had deter- I was determined I wasn't going to go into a salon in New York to struggle to get clientele. TJ suggested that I meet this guy named Jose Jefferson, which worked uh, as the... Uh, educational director for Dark and Lovely at the time. And so uh, I also had worked on Project Runway. And Fashion Week was coming up. TJ suggested me. He looked at my stuff. He realized that I worked Fashion Week. And so just so happened Dark and Lovely was sponsoring a fashion show. He asked me to come do hair. Just so happened the hairstyle they were doing was this hairstyle of the hair in a bow. And for the you know, everybody was getting these hair pulled up and the hair was tied in this boat. And I was like, oh, we did that on Project Runway. And so he said, great, you can teach everyone. So I had to, I be, it was, I became the lead of the hair, you know, the fashion show without even really knowing these people. And so um, 
from there, me and Mazay just built this really organic chemistry and just a love and a friendship. And he just really looked out for me. He saw that I was in need. He saw that I was also hungry and that I was also willing to work. And so anytime that he could come up with something to give me work, he did. And so he pushed me a lot of the time. And the funny thing is, though, at the prime, prime of where, like, uh, when I started doing, like, the Steve Harvey show for them and all of that, that was stuff that Mazay kept pushing for me to do. But at the time, Mazay then took a, a bigger role over at L'Oreal Paris. So um, he wasn't necessarily there for that. But it's, it's interesting. And I think it's just that time of them seeing me put in, putting in the work. Because one thing about behind-the-scenes beauty is I pay for that. I, and people don't, like, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why we took the hiatus because of COVID, I wasn't working. So um, it was, it, and then plus no one really wanted to do you know, interviews either. And so Correct. trying to get that squared away. But um, definitely, um, you know, like I said, I, I would have to pay for that. So I think Dark and Lovely saw my grind and they were like, look, this guy is really putting in his time. He's really putting in his effort. And because I work well with the people that I'm a person that relationships matter. Mm -hmm. um, the way you treat people, the way you carry yourself, all of that matters. So um, I guess because of the way I've carried myself the whole time that I've been with Dark and Lovely, they felt that it was my time to finally be pushed to uh, one of their ambassadors. So that's what they did. And they, they, they put me there. So That's what's up. And so now you're the brand ambassador for Dark and Lovely. And so what projects are you guys working on now? Um, well, we really, it's, to be honest, COVID put a monkey wrench. We were supposed to have huge launches this year. We were supposed to do Essence. We were supposed all those things we were geared to do. Um, the only thing we really got to really push this year, we did do a documentary we filmed right before COVID shut us down called um, Beauty Shouldn't Hurt, I think is that it? Yeah. And um, it's, it was, it's basically about young women getting uh, these braids and these weaves and their hair being too tight and all of these type of things. So, um, and along, it just so happened at the time that that documentary was coming out, Dark and Lovely came out with a whole uh, protective styles line from a shampoo to a tension tamer, all of these different styles. Uh, I mean, products. So we've been really basically pushing the products this, this year. Yeah, and so, and no, we didn't do a new rollout with the new color boxes and all of that stuff. So, no, COVID like messed everything up. So, it really <laughs> did. When we started season two, we were probably two episodes in and then like the world shut down and everything. I mean, we were never doing uh, interviews this way anyway. So this is a first for season three, but just having people to come on, you know, folks were like, Hey, I'm traveling and whatnot. And then the world shut down. And then all of a sudden folks like, Hey, you still got that interview ready. <laughs> so yeah. It kind of worked for my business. That was another thing that sort of put behind the scenes beauty back a little bit too, is because then everybody started doing these Instagram lives. Everybody came to talk to your host. Everybody. Karen even everybody picked up on the show. Time. Shout out to Karen. Karen, yeah. a couple of conversations with Karen. Yeah, conversations with Karen. My friend CJ, June Ambrose, all these people <laughs> then began yes. to start these their own shows and they started booking people every day and it just and so I felt like, oh, let me step back. <laughs> um, 
But I still appreciate the way I love their shows, and I'm very. I'm, I think there's room for everyone, and I think oh, everyone sure. asks different questions, and everybody think, brings different things to the table. So I'm never mad at what other people do. I still also appreciate that mine still brings the edited element um, where if we're talking about something, there's going to be a cut to a reference. You know, with mm-hmm. Whoopi, she's talking about a movie, so it goes to the reference of the movie. Mm-hmm. So all of that to give it the feel of a of a show that you see on television. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. You know, yours is definitely fire. Shout out to the editing team because that definitely makes a difference. So I'm just kind of like creeping up into this virtual space. Season one and two, you didn't even see my face. So Yeah, I know <laughs> if you, you, did, you did all like more podcast style. Yeah, it was right? more straight podcast, man. But, you know, you have to go with the times and people want to see you. And literally, like they want to see Derek Moreau. They, they would love to hear what you're saying. And for people that's listening to us right now on iHeart and Spotify, we're not telling you to jump on the YouTube or to come to finessemediagroup.com to watch. But I know that this is a time where people like to see folks. This is the, the way of the world. And not okay. only to see people, I think that's a good segue to my next question, to see people and to, as you mentioned already, uh, Jerry, having people to kind of pull you along the way. How important do you think in this industry that you are in, how important do you think having mentors is in this industry? Oh, mentors is everything to be honest i mean because there are some mistakes that you will make it's so much stuff to know you you don't know what to charge you don't know because what happens especially nowadays so you have these instagram hairstylists that especially these kids that are very well versed with these wigs right so they get these they get the all these looks and they get all these likes they get all these followers some celebrity sees them some celebrity realizes that they're about to pluck them out of obscurity. You know what I'm saying? They're so excited that it's so-and-so that's calling them to do their hair. So now they just want to be a part. So now they're mesmerized. They're drunk off of, oh, I'm riding <laughs> in a private plane. Oh, I'm, you know, but you're not making money. You're not knowing what you should charge. Now they're getting you to do stuff where they normally would have to have paid someone to do. They're not mm-hmm. paying you your rate. They're telling you, well, we're together all the time, so can you go a little lower for me? But at the same time, what you're risking, what you're giving up, what you're doing for them isn't changed. It's not taking any less off of you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So sometimes they get caught up in that, I just want to be a part of that world so bad. But thankfully, for me, first of all, social media was not what it was when I started. Um, but even before then, I had mentors, my, which was actually a peer, but she was just moving quicker than me. And I learned from her, Marcia Hamilton. Um, she worked with Jada Pinkett for a long time. She's worked with Tracy Ellis Ross. She's worked with Alicia Keys. She's that girl in L.A. And I learned from her. She was the one that taught me to keep a distance as much as because once it becomes like we're friends, then that's when they try to sort of slide in stuff and disrespect and realize that this is also your job. So there would be times she would be like, oh, so-and-so invited me to go to, to the movies. I'd be like, girl, you didn't go? That's so-and-so. She'd be like, no. I'd be like, why you didn't go? She'd be like, because. She was like, I need them to respect me for who I am. Mm-hmm. And I always took from that, and I always learned from that. So, um, 
mentorship is very important. And, it, and, and, and just how to just carry yourself in general. I just think what happens, too, is people get out there. Karen came in and mentored me. When I first got to the view, she was like, look, you're getting a regular paycheck. Go downstairs to the, to the uh, bank and have them take the money out your check every week and that way you'll have some savings so that you're not always just spending and shopping because what happens for celebrity hairstylists and makeup artists and stylists we are part of this image right so you want to fit because you when you when you show up that's the conversation oh where did you get those shoes oh i love that coat you know what i'm saying blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> so you then want to be part of that conversation mm-hmm. you realize when you get out of the SUV and people are snapping pictures of them, you might get caught in that picture. You know what I'm saying? You just never know. So what happens is then we tend to try to live a life that they have, failing to realize that if you have mentorship, they will tell you their life ain't your life, boo-boo. And so you don't have what they have. Mm-hmm. So don't try to be them. You know what I'm saying? Be you. Live in within your means. You know what I'm saying? And And just try to stay centered on what you're there to do. Don't mm-hmm. try to be the celebrity. Mm-hmm. So those are all things that people try, you know, because that's, too, another aspect. People want to be famous now. Mm-hmm. So I know there, I've come across hairstylists that can do hair well, and they're using that as the vehicle to be famous. You know what I'm saying? See me, see me. And that's nothing wrong with that. If there's different avenues you want to do, but you got to know that when you step up on set, it's they're the celebrity. You're not the celebrity at that time. They're the celebrity, so let them be that. Whatever happens for you, let it happen for you on your time. Well, Derek, damn, you just answered my next question. <laughs> you just answered my next question. My next question was going to be, um, you know, what advice that you would give someone that's, you know, looking to be a hairstylist, particularly in the entertainment industry, but looking to be a professional hairstylist was my next question. But I think you answered it. But if you did answer it, tell me or tell the listeners, what advice that you would give uh, to someone that's wanting to be a professional hairstylist? Not, again, necessarily in the entertainment industry, because you can make money and be an entrepreneur, definitely doing it. But what advice would you give? Again, I think you stole my answer already, but... Um, no, that's, <laughs> you got that's a lot of knowledge, brother. You got a lot of knowledge. No, that's if you get into that lane. Um, but if you get into... If you just want to be an amazing hairstylist, it's all about learning your craft, going to those classes, spending that money, investing in yourself. Um, but even like for what I do for behind the scenes beauty, like like I, I was saying, I pay for that. I pay for if if it's, if it's a female, I pay for the hair, I pay for the makeup, I pay for their car to get there, I pay for the space that we rent out, I pay for the videographer to get there, I pay for the videographer to edit. I pay, it's a full budget that comes out of me. And some people would say, well, that's dumb. Why would you do that? Because in order for people to invest in you, they first have to see that you're willing to invest in yourself. Hey, I promise you, Derek, that's so big. That's so big. And I don't know if people don't do it out of selfishness or they just out of ignorance. Um, but seriously, that is so true. When you go to Costco, they're giving all type of shit away. They give you exactly. cheese, popcorn. They're like, here, try this, try this. Because, I mean, somebody paid for it. Somebody paid for Somebody paid for it. But the service that you get in the exchange, you know, people want to feel like, hey, you know. So, no, definitely, definitely. I agree yeah. with you 100%. For sure. So, yeah, so 
um, take those classes, learn, always. When I was first, I was in the salon back in Virginia, and I was the shampoo boy. There was a lady that worked in there. Her name was Darlene Coles, and she said to me, mm-hmm. don't ever let your cup get too full. Mm-hmm. And she was just trying to let me know, like, you're good, but guess what? There's so much more for you to learn. And don't ever think that you got everything on lock. And um, learn to learn to celebrate yourself, but also learn to celebrate others. Always know that what you bring to the table is valuable, but appreciate what other people bring to the table. And don't be intimidated because God blessed us all with different gifts and we all bring something. And what's for you is for you, you know, Amen. because you'll get caught up into that whole, whether it's in the salon clientele, like, oh, because when I was, when I lived in, a, in, a, in my town, it was like everybody was going to this one particular hairstylist because she could do blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then you feel like, oh, well, why ain't nobody coming to me? Do I not do good? Blah, 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 blah. You know what? Just, just love on yourself. Yeah. Wherever you need to come up at, just come up at. Learn it. Uh, practice it. And certain things aren't going to be your thing. And it's okay. Learn to take your hands off of it and say, hey, it just is not me. And just being self-aware. I think... I think if I could put all of what I just said in a ball and just wrap it up with a bow, being self-aware. Being self-aware. That's it. That's it. No, definitely some good gems dropping so far. I listen to listening and watching, man. And you're looking to, you know, and and that actually just plays into any industry, really. I think what you you said is a general statement, a blanket statement, to apply to any industry that you're looking to be in and to propel and to be a professional in it. And as we say, to really high, or not high, but to perform at the highest level of your craft and be a a Vanessa like Derek Moreau. So, Derek, we're going to have some fun before I get up out of here. You know, I got to have a little fun with my listeners. So this is a segment that I designed pretty much for every guest. So this is the view on things. Of course, we had to add the view in because you're making uh, a view. So I want to know your view on a couple of different topics, right? So Whoopi Goldberg, somebody that you work with and work very closely with, she recently said that she's working diligently to bring back Sister Act 3. What's your take about that? Long overdue. Um, it, right? Yeah. I, everyone I know always talks about Sister Act, um, how much they changed their lives, how they grew up on that movie. And so it's funny how people in charge, their viewpoint sometimes is so they don't, they don't see what the, what the public really wants. They think they see, but mm-hmm. yeah, so <laughs> it's definitely well overdue. I'm praying that it hurry up and happens and they get things in gear and, and it gets moving. I want to see her do it. I know she was supposed to do Sister Act in London um, this summer, which was another thing that we were going to be doing. And, um, well, she was going to be doing I was just going to go to see her there. I wasn't going to stay the whole time she was there. But, um, yeah, that was something else. And COVID sort of struck on that, too, so. No, I'm going to need you to work on that, Derek. I need you. And she says she's diligently working, so she doesn't need to push. But I just make sure you stay there because, of course, if she does it, you're on set. You know it. But you know what? (laughs) She's diligent. She has been since I've known her. She's been working on that. Well, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. So I got another viewpoint I want to know. So this was recently kind of put out there. I know, no, no, this episode aired. It may not be too late, but Lakeith Stanfield, he's an actor, and he tweeted uh, on the debate last night that happened with Kamala Harris and um, Mike Pence. 
he tweeted or, yeah, I think he tweeted or posted something on his Instagram, and he had posted Kamala Harris' photo, and then underneath the photo or the caption, he wrote, I don't like her hair, but other than that, this is better than the last one, but still sad. So as a hairstylist, what's your feedback on kind of a post like that where he's saying, hey, don't like her hair, but the debate was better than the last one, but it's still sad. What's your view on it? Uh, her hair, um, well, you know, Kamala's been to the view, and I have had to touch her up prior to going out because as a uh, person in Congress, she's not like a person that travels with her hairstyle. It's like most celebrities. Um, but she wears her hair according to what people can handle. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what they would have expected. That's She's wearing the, the, the classic doobie wrap. I mean, no. <laughs> she gets that joint roller set, and then they wrap it around. You, you know what? I mean, I was kind of shocked by the tweet. The guy's a phenomenal actor, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, but yeah, I, I really didn't think like the hairstyle was unusual or different than what we've seen. It's, it's her classic doobie. <laughs> it's a classic hairstyle. It's a classic. It's the classic, you know, uh, I think it was a Did you call it a roller set? Yeah, it's, I don't know if you ever watched the game, but it was an episode where the actress was in the hospital and Melanie was talking to her, and she was saying that she had the 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 tuck under, which is safe. And Kamala gave us a very safe hairstyle. Um, you know, politicians, I don't, they don't. I think he just made a comment. I don't think. <laughs> no, he did clear back up and had posted or reposted. Well, posted a reposted video that he had posted months before um, that he loved black women and this whole push because a lot of people was giving him flag. I mean, they, uh, you know how Twitter or Instagram gets the comments go crazy. One last yeah. view I want to know, and this kind of stays in the debate circle, which was happening. Everybody talked about it, but what was your view or what was you when you saw the fly on Mike Pence's head? <laughs> what was your view or thought about that? If you didn't see it, you still got to saw the memes. No, no, no. I saw it. I was definitely watching it. Um, I was just like, God has a way. Because, you know, I was like, okay, maybe the fly is going to land and leave. That fly rests. Yo, yo, he like, yo, he went away, but then he came back, Derek, which was That funny. fly just stayed there for a minute. And in my head, I'm thinking, is anybody going to tell him or what about to happen here? No. So I, I was <laughs> no, that fly was hilarious. Uh, it was so hilarious. Uh, Derek, you're cutting out a little bit. Bring it back, bring it back. Come on, technology, get out of here. I know he's saying something over there. He's probably saying, I'm, I'm cutting out too. That damn yeah, you're fly. frozen. I'm Hello? frozen. I'm like, look, so we yeah, talking about frozen. the fly. The fly that came and messed something up over here. <laughs> exactly. Where were we at? Where did, where did I fall off? You then? were saying the fly. You, we were just still talking about the fly. Nobody oh, was going to oh, tell Oh, well, us. I was saying, though, but I love the internet, and I appreciate I knew that as soon as this debate was over this morning, there were going to be memes <laughs> for days. And so I enjoy the comedy that comes along with all of that. No, I definitely enjoyed it. Because in my head, I'm watching the thing right here, right? So, Derek, I'm hitting the wall like, yo, is it a fly in the, in the office? Is it a fly in the building? But, no, it was live on TV. And that's crazy. And I think the most interesting fact or point um, there was that he was talking about Brianna's um, verdict right when that happened. So Let me tell you, if, if, 
I this is what I'll say. Flies always land on boo boo. That's all. <laughs> Flies always has a tendency of landing on boo boo. No, and no, that's so what he was talking about at that time was boo boo. Okay, no, it was definitely real. It was definitely real. Before you get out of here, Jerry, we had some fun, man. I appreciate you for coming on, man. You are no, thank you for having me. One hundred guy, uh, somebody I would love to have back on to. Well, the world opens back up. We'll really see. Uh, much of, of, of more things that you're doing. But before you get up out of here, again, this platform was built so that we can bring on people that's finessing the game, people that I really see. And that's what I always say to my guests. Know that this is not a, a platform where, you know, this person has reached out and I'm like, okay, we could take an interview. So far, so much, these people that has come on, and I'm talking to my listeners, these are folks, y'all, that I've looked at at least four months and say, yo, this person is finessing the game. So, Derek, again, I, I pulled your coattail to say that you're finessing the game, and thank you for accepting the invitation for coming on to the Finesse Me the Podcast. You're definitely one of the finessers, uh, oh, so you're friends so of the show. But before you go, I think it's always important, to, uh, and we ask all our guests this, who's finessing the game for Derek Monroe? Rem- who's that person that you look at and, and not necessarily want to emulate, but say, he or she is finessing the game? And I'm not necessarily mean in the realm of, of what you do, but just any individual that Derek Moreau says, that's my finesse. That's somebody who's finessing the game. Who's that person for Derek Moreau? Oh, goodness. There's so many. Um, I know. Um, uh, Angela Rye, how she's definitely taken the platform from CNN and made her own lane. Um, she's a client that I worked with um, earlier on with, with her from CNN. And um, there's a hairstylist named Kellen Derrick that has really, he's done a salon. He's done, he's done music videos. He's done, he's done a lot of stuff. Um, he's, he's been smart to work all of his, uh, all of his assets, everything that he's had available to him. He's not squandered it, but he's made sure to use everything to his maximum from his connections of people he knows um, to his looks. He's just maximized off of all of it. And I can't even be mad at it, you know? So, yeah. So. That's yeah. somebody that's finessing the game. No, Those are people that are finessing the game to me. That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, Derek, like I say, you're finessing. You're somebody finessing the game. And that was my last question, but it, it prompts me to ask you a question because you did, you, working at The View, you've seen everybody, and I don't think it's somebody you haven't seen, from politicians, from entertainers. Um, who's somebody that you haven't worked with that you like, yo, I just want to get in her hair. I want to get in his hair. Who's that artist or person, period, that you want to, you haven't worked with yet that you do want to work with? Who haven't I worked with that I do want to work with? Ironically enough, I don't know if I'm that person that I do that. Um, because a lot of times, I guess I'm so in my head about, because I know the business, I always think about what comes with that. Um, but, I, I mean, of course, the, the obvious people, I would love to do Oprah one time. Like, I, I, I don't know if I would want to be that hairstylist to Oprah, um, but I would I would love a time where she needed to have something done and I did her hair. Mm-hmm. Um, a Beyonce, of course. And just because I'm an admirer of work ethic, so it's not so much, 
It's not so much about how that reflects on me. Sometimes I'm a person that I appreciate the access that I get to people mm-hmm. to sort of see what goes into who they really are. You know, I appreciate the behind the scenes stuff. That's ironic. But yeah, so those two are people that because I know that they're such hardworking women um, that I that I would love to, although I've met them and been around them at times, um, at the same time, I, I would love to be in that space. So, gotcha. yeah. It's coming, Derek, because listen, if you don't know Derek Moreau, uh, <laughs> the three-time Emmy-nominated hairstylist, man, I don't know where you're living. And uh, like I said, I'm not, I'm not, not for nothing, dude. I'm not into makeup. I'm not into hair. But that's what I'm saying, dude. You're making such a presence to where somebody like me who's married with question? three kids. See, I never knew. I never knew. So let me, I hate to be this person, but I'm going to switch it on you. So how did you get into this realm? <laughs> you know, like, explain that to me. How? What What was your inspiration for starting? The podcast? Finesse. Yeah. Finesse Media. Very good question. Listen, I told you guys who listen and who's watching, he's aware of series host, so I'll take his question. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But no, seriously, so Finesse Media podcast actually started uh, from the birth of Finesse Media Group. So Finesse Media Group was started in 2012 in Chicago, Illinois, where I'm from. I'm right now in Dallas, Texas, but I started my company, Finesse Media Group, which was a marketing booking agency working with some people like Sherry Shepard. When Sherry Shepard was working for The View, I actually worked with Sherry Shepard on a few different projects. Um, but I was more so a marketing booking agency, Finesse Media. It kind of still is, and I say kind of, because the podcast was launched in 2013, right after like Finesse Media Group launched from a business partner. And I kind of got into it because with marketing and booking for certain clients as a freelance publicist, I saw the benefit of having this blog, talk, radio, or internet space where people were doing that. And technology wasn't where we see it as now. So I kind of took a hiatus, but more importantly, kind of fast forward, it's wanting to highlight people, Derek, that's, you know, not able to grab a camera or, or a phone or a camera or a microphone and, and be heard, right? So from your makeup artists, from your producers, from your writers, these folks may not get a chance to have an interview and for your authors and, you know, so a lot of the behind the scenes, your underdogs is the kind of folks that I've always kind of championed. So the Finesse Media podcast was the platform for that. So that's the, the backdrop for what I do on this on this set. And this is kind of an extension of my personality. So in real time, in real space, I'm a person that you can call and say, hey, Ken, I need some. I need some advice. My friend of 20 years, she and I, we have probably bury so many secrets that we won't tell the world. And then, you know, me being a member of Five Minute Sigma Fraternity, it's about connection and, and brotherhood and partnership. So the podcast was built around a lot of my exterior and my personal life, and I kind of brought it here. So we have sponsors that have been alumni of my university. But again, people like Karen. When I met Karen, I wasn't even doing a podcast. Are you kidding me? I was doing publicist work, and she and I was in Chicago having lunch, and I was working with Sherry then. And um, when I said I would do the podcast, she was one of the first people that I thought about. She came on season one and season two, by the way. But Karen, you know, is just somebody who has been finessing the game. And so it kind of started from there, finding people that's finessing the game. So that's why the podcast was started. And that's why you, my brother, is sitting right where you're sitting, joining us on season three. 
All right. Well, thank you for <laughs> letting me be here. I appreciate it. No, you're definitely welcome, man. And before you get up out of here, Derek, let people know who's watching and listening, how they can keep up with what you have going on and the things that you got coming up. Listen, they can go on to my YouTube page. They can subscribe. It's Derek Monroe, D-E-R-I-C-K-M-O-N-R-O-E. Um, and then same thing for my Instagram, just Derek Monroe, just my name, and Facebook as well. And like I said, uh, dropping next week will be my episode. I, I don't even know if I'm calling it season two, if it, <laughs> it's my, it will, but it will be my tenth episode of um, Behind the Scenes Beauty, which to some people is like it's just ten, but over a course of a year, at yeah, that that's a feat for me. No, that's a milestone. Yeah, that's a it, milestone because see, Derek, it's easy for me to do this on a virtual, but. Let the record reflect your interviews, like you say, it's editing, it's having people in, it's having full, you know, hair and makeup. So this is not an easy feat. And so for for, for 10 episodes, absolutely, my brother. Congratulations. I can't wait uh, to check it out. And so tell us again, that's coming up when? That is coming up next week. I don't have a specific day that it's dropping, but if you go ahead and subscribe and, and hit the bell, you'll get the notification when it drops. There you no, go. It's definitely going to be. Go. And an amazing episode, uh, very inspirational. I think, like I said, all of them were very inspirational. And, you know, some ins and outs of Johnny's career, some things that you probably, I felt like because me and Johnny are friends, the conversation isn't so interviewee. You know, a lot of my, you know, Morel cried on out. <laughs> because they, uh, most of the people I have relationships with, so I speak with them from a space of knowing them rather than being just like, hey, tell me something about you. And then there's this guard. There's mm -hmm. a wall that comes down where we just have conversations. Yeah, I was like, so when when I remember that episode, because I think I had Morel on, I don't know, maybe, I think after yours, definitely after yours. And it caught me off, It caught, I'm sure of you off guard when he started tearing up. I mean, but that was like real, dude. Like, when I tell you, I was, very shocked, and he was like, cut the tape, cut the tape. <laughs> yeah, and right. I, I felt like I was Barbara Walters because I was like, keep it in. <laughs> keep it in. Bro. And you kept it in. It's <laughs> gold, people. This and you, gold. You know. and but you I appreciate him being so vulnerable. I really do. And, and, you know, it was great to hear his story. Like I said, I what's funny is every person prior, I've taken something away from them. Mm. Something that like I, like Everyone has a theme, and everyone's theme is different. You know, from Whoopi to Raven Simone to Yvette Nicole Brown, all of those people, it was always something that I took away from them that I've learned that I hope comes across in the show. So definitely please check it out. Go back, watch the old episodes. Our very first one was where we, uh, Karen was in it, Morel was in it, uh, Larry Sim. We did a, and to be honest, hopefully we can get into a bigger platform. Uh, Matt I don't know if it's your audio, but it went down a little bit. Oh, did it? I don't. I don't. It, it went down a little can bit. Can you hear me now? Still? I can still hear you, so you can keep talking. Yeah, but I, I'll make it quick. But our first one was a whole black panel of professionals that, that not only were just giving our professional opinions, but we also had worked in for the Matt Gala that day. Larry had just came from doing Gabrielle Union. Um, Morel had just done Travis Scott. Um, you know, so 
Oh, wow. Okay, so no, I remember the works. I remember Morel working with them, but that was that same day. Wow. So you guys are working that day. Yeah. And that's, I don't know if there's ever been an all-black panel, given their viewpoint. You know, you know that there was a wrap-up. Everyone does a wrap-up. But it was the first time African-American, all that not only was just giving their opinion and had something to say about the look, but all that had actual um, experience. Right. Yeah. Dude, you gotta come back, man. You definitely gotta come back. I will. You definitely. Absolutely, brother. Well, listen, y'all. You've been listening to one of the finesses. Uh, excuse me, of this season. Dan Moreau called me. Called me as a as a, as a break. Uh, but listen, brother. Again, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Continue to finesse the game, and uh, I'll say, like you said, it's your job. Take a little time to enjoy your view. All right, man. You heard it first, man. Derek Moreau on the Finesse Media Podcast Season 2. Take it easy. If it's too easy, don't take it. We'll see you. We'll be back.